Hey, good morning. There are so many of you, and I'm so happy to see that. I'm a little scared because this is my first time to ever be up in a crowd like this preaching. And when I was asked to do this, I was a little scared and I got fired up and I was getting ready to have all these cool videos and cool slides and, and uh, got wrapped up in the presentation and I started getting wrapped up in how I was going to deliver the message and I got messed up with the message. My message turned out being about two or three weeks long. <laughs> and um, God changed my mind. I, th- I think he just kind of pruned it down, and now I just want to share some things with you about myself. Y'all don't know me too well. I'm just a guitar player that sits back here and plays, and I love this church, and I've grown to love this church, and I want this church to grow and do wonderful things. But I'm going to share you a little bit with you a little bit about myself. Um, I'm going to start out here, and I'm going to say, so here's what I've got. Do you think they had it hard back in Jesus' time, back in the New Testament and the Old Testament? Compared to what we've got, they they had problems, didn't they? They had problems that we encounter, a lot like we encounter sometimes. And um, I don't want you to think that we've got it easy, because back in the old times, these people used to get stoned. They used to get burned. They used to have to have church in quiet little rooms and fear of death. We get to come and worship in a big, big room with big music and be as loud as we want, and nobody's going to come kill us. We're blessed. We're blessed to be in the church where we are now right now. However, personal things get in the way. How many of you feel like you have your ups and downs? How many people have problems that they feel are just so oppressive they just can't bear it? Do you have roller coasters where one minute you're up and one minute you're down and one minute you're up and one minute you're down? I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm used to rambling like this and I don't even look at my notes. So please bear with me, okay? This is my first time. Uh, Christ has changed my life in a great way. And I think it's just... um, it's a lot better than it used to be. I made some serious changes back in 2002 that have, that have made a significant difference in my life. It's no secret that life will continue to be hard and have its ups and downs uh, as long as, as we're here on earth. It's kind of a roller coaster, and you ever feel like it's out of control. I want you to look at Psalms 143.10, where David says, Teach me to do your will, O Lord, for you are my God. You, may your good spirit lead me on level ground. David had a hard life. Have anybody ever read at the Psalms where he's up and he's down and he's up and he's down? They call him the book of bipolarism because he's just, had so, he's just had so many ups and downs. And don't you feel like that's your life sometimes? Well, we're praying the same prayer that David preached, prayed back then. Making these changes out of the ups and downs and the uneven ha- paths is possible to do. The bottom line is that you're not alone, and you have other people through which you're able to, to help you get through these ups and downs. Other people of this church can help you with your relationship with God. I want to let you guys know why I'm up here, because I'm highly qualified to be up here talking to everybody. I have a big resume. Here's some things about me. How many of you ever looked at me and said, hey, John's got it going on. He's pretty well together. Medically, he's a healthy guy. He seems like financially he's all right. Well, I'm going to tell you some stuff and it might shock you. I have hemorrhoids. (laughs) I suffer from constipation. I have high blood pressure. Doug can relate to this one. I have to get up and pee at least two or three times a night. I know you can. You're 50. That list goes on and on and on. There is a medical list that would overwhelm you. With regard to my family, 
Why is it that my family seems to always get the bad side of me? Why am I nicer to the person at Cabela's? Well, because they're selling me hunting equipment. But why am, I, why am I nicer to the person at the store than I am to my wife and my kids? Why do they get the bad side sometimes? They should get the absolute best, don't you think? Uh, I'm not very good at doing things for my wife around the house, and I don't listen as much as I should. I try to solve everybody's problems around the house, don't we all? Uh, I'm going to stop there. I'm not going to go into my family's problems without their permission. But financially, I want to go into some things. I've made some really serious mistakes in my personal and financial, uh, business financial aspects of my life. And I'm going to go into those a little bit later. And I'm going to, I'm going to be very upfront with you. I tell you, it was pretty hard whenever I went through my financial problems to tell my kids that I'm not going to be able to pay for your wedding. And I don't think I'm going to help to pay your way through school. But man, I had some good kids. I'm not going to look at her because I'll cry. I had some good kids. They stepped up and they said they would help and they will work for it. And they said they will try to help me in any way they can. Spiritually, here are a few things that hinder my life. It's getting more and more serious, isn't it? Here are some things that hinder my life. I cuss sometimes. My language is always not good. I want to be popular. I am a proud man. I covet. I want stuff. I want a lot of hunting stuff. I want a new truck. I want stuff. I sometimes even wonder if God exists. Has anybody ever felt that? I don't even want to show of hands. I have periods where I battle with alcohol. Did you know that I started looking at inappropriate sexual material from the third grade in my life? This has hurt my perspective of women, and it's tainted my true meaningful sexual relationships, and it's tainted what they should have been in my life. That demon still attacks me and some of the friends and some of the people sitting out here today. I know it does. Wednesday night, I had insomnia, and I was texting on Facebook, and I saw poof, the friend pops up. He says, hey, what are you, I said, hey, what are you doing up so late? I had insomnia. I was, I was surfing Facebook, and he goes, I'm fighting one of the demons we used to fight a long time ago. We prayed online, and we tried to work through that demon, and I pray it worked. It haunts people. We have to be there for each other. Um, I have a long, lot of long time ago confessions, and I'm not going to elaborate on those from when I was in my 20s. I did drugs. I woke up in places I don't know how I got there. I don't know why God kept me alive. And I flunked out of school. I flunked out of college. Lost a lot of money, and I, I lost a lot of time in my life. All right? Those are just personal things that you should need to know about me. A little bit more about me psychologically. Here's the hardest part. I have depression. I've just finished a strong dose of Prozac. I carry a little green, green pill that helps me to get through my panic attacks. Anybody can relate to that one. I know we do because my small group helped me out with that one. I occasionally have to take Ambien to help me get to sleep. And there's a long story. There's an Ambien story that's been circulating. And I don't, y'all don't know if you've heard that one, but that's one for the, for the records, and it'll go down later on. I have anger issues, quite a bit of anger. Even last Thursday, was anybody in, in Elkhart around 3.30 sitting at the stoplight coming into Palestine? And, and, oh, no. Was, were you really? Did you see a, a car yelling, a little Prius yelling at an 18-wheeler? That was me. And I was yelling at him. I, I had anger, and my anger came out. <sighs> Doug's probably going, oh, no, why did I let him go up there? <laughs> well, did anybody know that, that over the past 
six months, I had told my wife that I wish I was dead two or three times. Doug had to come pry my butt out of bed to get me up here to be able to play. Basically, I don't trust God to take care of my family. And that's the thing I'm most ashamed about. My wife has wonderful faith, but I don't have the faith it takes to let God take care of my family. So, that's a lot of depressing news. Here's some good news, okay? Things have changed. My wonderful, wonderful wife stuck with me through these hard times, and she helped me with my massive panic attacks. She showed me what faith is really like. She was faithful when I could not be. My brother was on call 24-7. He really did save my life in the middle of the night when I was crying at 3 o'clock in the morning, wishing I was dead. Doug counseled me through many of my problems. My small group lifted me up. The girls' Bible study came over to the house and laid hands on me while I knelt in my living room and prayed over me. It helped. Man, it lifts your spirits. I could not have done this alone. I cannot tell you where I would have been alone through all of this. In summary, my family and my church have saved my life with the help of God. Or I should say, God has saved my life with the help of my family and my friends. So, there's my resume. I'm pretty qualified to be up here, aren't I? I don't think so. Or maybe I am. Maybe I'm just a representation of a segment of this population. People are going through the same problems that I'm going through, aren't we? I have been broken. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that I'm a sinner. And I face daily battles. Hey, does anybody have any tissue back there you can run up here? I'm dying. Uh, I'm just saying, I realize I'm a sinner. I face daily battles, and I know my sins control way too much of my life. I go through periods of praying and reading my Bible only to find out. Thanks, man. Thank you. I'm going to keep it. I might start crying later. But um, I, uh, I go through periods of reading my Bible just to find that in a few weeks I'm back to my old habits. And maybe I, so therefore, maybe I am just a representation of, of a cross-section of us. Let's put up that slide of 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The good news is, Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in your weakness. Paul said, now I'm able to boast in my weakness. Is that me? It is? I'll put this right here. I'll hold it. Um, Now, Paul said, now I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can be shown through me or can work through me. I like being transparent. I like putting my sins on the table. You know who I am now, okay? And if we can get to know who each other are, I think that we can carry each other a little bit stronger through this life. All right, my restoration through all of these troubles. Have you ever heard today that people usually find God when they're broken? Or when they've heard the truth enough where they develop the wisdom and they accept the truth at a young age or even a middle age? I was one of those who had to be broken. My wife was raised, and I, I admire her. She, she was raised with the fear of God, and she has just always been a Christian, and I'm just in awe of her Christian nature and how she went through this life just unaware of some of the things that were going on. Some people will tell a dirty joke, and she'll go, what does that mean? 
And I'll go, just give me a hug. I just love it. <laughs> no. um, listen and see where I can, where, if you can hear where I'm going with this. Here's, where, here's some few things that, that went on since 2002 after being broken. I started a relationship with a man. It doesn't sound, it's not what it sounds like. I started a relationship with a man who really helped me get through my walk with Jesus Christ. He was in the same place I was. He was broken to a certain extent. We both met on Manly Mountain over in Dogwood Trails every Friday because we were searching for something different than what we had been going through. We were tired of the roller coaster going up and down and up and down, and we wanted to learn how to serve the Lord. So he and I had accountability to each other to meet every Friday morning before work and... um, he helped push me to another level. With uh, him, I st- we started out reading My Utmost for His Highest, which is a biblically-based book. I wasn't very good at reading my Bible, and I recommend that if you can't read your Bible, find a true Bible-based f- book that helps you to do daily studies and start reading it. My Utmost for His Highest was that book for me. We both had something in common. We wanted more. The old cycles became old, and we were, then we were, they were not worth pursuing. We desperately wanted to live a different way. At this point, with this guy at my, at my side, I started reading my Bible. I started praying out loud, which was very hard for me. I started praying more with other people. I started praying by myself with Jesus. I actually had a partner to help me take interest in my burdens. I shared his burdens as well. That made me feel good that I could help somebody. This is where my eyes were opened that other people and other men, a lot like me, had the same problems. I was paired. Another thing that happened was I was paired with a godly woman. God brought me in and getting married to this girl whose Bible was thrashed and had enough faith to move a mountain was the best thing that ever happened to me. She lifts me up when I am weak. She prays for me when I can't, and there are many times that I just can't pray. God gave me a partner that lifts me up every day and loves me, even when I lose my faith in God. I really desire to love her back and make life easier for her. Over this last week, I don't think she's going to say that. I I was not in a good mood, and I was pretty bitter. I was stressed out about making the sermon happen. Well, she said... that I was probably being attacked by the devil because I was going to give this sermon, and I think she's right. So it's time to get back on track for me. When work and things like that start to consume me, she was there right beside me. I I sometimes joke whenever I have somebody say a prayer request to me. I say, just let me know, and I'm going to take it to the two people I know have a direct line with God, Debbie and Ann. I just they, because they, and I'll get them to start praying for you, and I know that that God's going to get the message. I know He'll get it from me too. I'm just joking. We started to live in a small group, a crazy love group. It was a multi-denominational group that met weekly or every other week, and we started running the race together. We encouraged each other and lifted each other up as a group. Crazy love was around Francis Chan. I don't know if you've heard of the book. It's a wonderful book to get started. Here, uh, it was a multi-denominational book for people from the other com- churches from within the community. And guess what? Some of those guys spoke, prayed in tongues. So, but they were good Christians. <laughs> it can happen. They had the Spirit of God. They, they wanted to serve. I learned how to start reaching out to other people and seeing people through Jesus' eyes. With that group of people's help, I became more sympathetic and less judgmental. And I think it's so important to be more sympathetic than judgmental in our lives. Joining this church was one of the best things that ever happened to us. Three years ago, we left a church that we loved, and we left a group of friends that we loved 
they were very close. We shopped around, but ultimately we felt like this is where we wanted to be, and this is where God wanted us to be. We feel that way today. As a result, my family's burdens are lighter, and my, my, uh, we are stronger because of our relationships here with you guys at this church in the small group. We pray through each other's problems, and we even help each other physically, and we help each other financially whenever we can. It's wonderful to be plugged into a small group within this church. Let's put up Ecclesiastes 4.10, if you don't mind, man. Do you think there's a reason God put this uh, in the Bible? Through one, many may, can be over, though one can be overpowered, two can, defeat them, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I'm going to go through this little example real quick. Here's a 20-pound weight. Here is one strand of yarn. If I try to pick it up and you try to do it by yourself, it's rapidly going to break. If I take this and I have three separate strands and I try to pick them up, unequally distributed, they can all three try to pick it up, but ultimately all three strands are going to fall apart. But you take one strand, and I pray this works, (laughs) tightly woven together, and you try to pick this up, it's a lot stronger. It's a lot stronger. This, this, this band is, t- is really difficult to break apart. That's the way I want us to be in this church, all right? We need to have each other. We can't do it alone. We're going to drop the weight. <clears throat> That's pretty good at work. I'm fired up. I want to I encourage you. Let's share the load. I want to encourage you to consider small groups. I've heard some people say that they come to this church and they cannot get plugged in. But have we really tried to get plugged in? Have you sought out and tried to get into a small group? Have you shopped around to different small groups? There's different personalities in different small groups, and I want to encourage you to try to get plugged in with those people. If you come to this church, try to seek someone who has similar, similar lifestyle that you have and try to pair up with that person so that they can begin the journey with you so that they can have your back and defend you. These people will really lay their lives down for you. I've seen it. How many of you saw our guys gathered around in a lady's car in the yard, in the parking lot the other day pulling off of her tire pulling off her tire fixing her flat and putting it back on only to find that her brake pads were low we pulled together we got some brake pads for somebody some guy guy here knows how to do brake pads so he put them on for free bought tires were bald we got we're trying to get her new tires things like that happen this is serving we're serving the church we're helping each other I guess I'm boasting, and I shouldn't be, but I'm sure proud of the way things look. I I feel proud to be a part of a group that's trying to do things right. Now, let's break some old habits. I'm going to try to hurry things along. i got to pray that some people will be courageous and try to stand up and make some changes in their lives to grow closer to Christ. Um, Let's see. I was supposed to be a Christian a long time ago. I had accepted Christ, but my actions didn't change. I continued to do drugs. I continued to chase women. X, Y, Z. It goes down the list. But my actions didn't change. Was I a Christian? I don't know. I just didn't make a change. I know it didn't show. I frequently hear people say that you have to take, take me as I am, or they'll say, you can't change who I am. My favorite one that I used to use was, God can't forgive me. If he only knew everything that I had done, he cannot forgive me. And do you know why I've said all these three things, especially that last one? I thought it was, I think it was a give up. It was an excuse. And it was an excuse for me 
to not want to live, change my life. I didn't want to give up my sin. Those were mine. It was my activity. It was my control. So I gave those excuses. You have to put down your pride and look inside of yourself, and you have to be humble and, look at your, and dissect what your life is like. If you're not able to change, why was Paul able to come, change from being a Christian-hating, Christian-killing person into the most loving individual, one of the most in, in, in loving individuals in the New Testament? All right, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Why did I say it's courageous earlier? Because it's courageous to look inside of yourself and try to make changes. I'm not, the reason I'm saying that is because it's not easy to make changes. It can be done, but with cha- change is painful, and it, and it still is. It takes courage. Joshua 1.9, be strong and, and good of good courage, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. Change can be painful physically and emotionally. It can hurt. Has anybody ever had to quit drugs or stop alcohol or quit certain sexual behavior or break up with a relationship that you know is not a right relationship? It's painful. Um, Sometimes you lose crowds that you run around with. Ann and I, when we first got married, we hung out with a crowd. None of them are here, but we hung out with a crowd that probably didn't glorify the Lord. And we ended up changing crowds, and we ended up following people who were Christ-following, people who lifted us up. If not, I feel like we would have been taken down. You need to hang out with the people. Well, look at, look at um, Proverbs 22, 24 through 25. Don't make friends with people with... Um, I'm sorry, don't make friends with people who have hot, violent tempers. You may learn their habits and not be able to change them. So consider who you're hanging out with and how they affect you. While making these changes, you might have to change your brain. You've been trained to be who you are today. Like it or not, getting rid of the trash in your head can be very painful. I know this is a little weird, but I compare the cleansing of your spirit to cleansing of somebody who's suffered a very bad burn wound to their elbow. Me being a physical therapist, if I don't first clean the wound, get rid of all the bad skin, if I don't stretch the tendons and the ligaments, and prepare the skin and ligaments for a good range of motion. And then if I don't retrain the arm to, for, for good strength, what happens with that wound, with that arm? It contracts, and it gets stuck in this position, and it becomes a useless limb for the rest of their life. What happens when we fill our lives with useless information and fill our lives and our heads with sin? We become a useless, contracted limb that is to be thrown away, to be thrown away in the fire, just like it says in Secrets of the Vine. Or in John 15, I believe it is, isn't it? Where, where, where if, you're, if you're not serving, if you're not doing what you need to do, you're cut away and thrown into the fire. <clears throat> so I think it's kind of cool. Clean, prepare, and retrain sounds like a good basis for a sermon, and that's why, why, that's why I went this direction. Maybe you need to cleanse and prepare your heart and mind and start exercising spiritually. I'm saying, admit we're sinners and ask for forgiveness and start changing and filling your heart and mind with good things instead of the crud we're filling our hearts with right now. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. I'm locked up in these things. Be honest with yourself. Admit that you have areas that need to change. Prepare your heart and confess the sin. Try to find somebody to help you. It's easier to get in good shape when you have an exercise partner, isn't it? It's easier to stay in good spiritual condition when you have a spiritual accountability partner or group. This is important. Put up 1 Peter 
I think that this world can get hold of you. I don't think if we are aware of what's going on, I think the devil can get in our heads. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Believe it. You're probably living it sometimes right now. Here's one that I like a lot, and it's influenced me through this guy that I hung out on the mountain with. Luke eleven twenty four through 26. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through all of the arid places seeking rest, and it doesn't find it. Then it says, I'm going to return to the house or the person that I left. When it goes there, it finds a house that is swept clean and put in order, in order and it says, I'm going to go out and find seven other demons, and I'm going to come back, and it's going to be worse than it was before I left. It, it, we need to be on guard and keep these demons out and surround ourselves and fill our hearts with good things so it cannot be taken away from us so that we can grow in a good relationship with Christ. How am I doing on time? Here's some areas that I think that, that I'm just going to run through them real quick. Here's some areas that I think that affect my relationship and I'm, I'm sure that they may affect your relationship that I think we need to get rid of in our lives. Pride, anger, greed, Selfishness, addiction, not forgiving somebody, idolatry, sin, sexual sin, lust, pornography, premarital sex, greed, neglect of your family, neglect of your health, and neglect of your relationship with Jesus Christ. I've been broken twice in my life that I can remember. I went through a pretty tough divorce back in 2001, and then I messed up seriously and I was seriously threatened after having made some poor decisions in a relationship in my business and I was broken through these times I lacked I was not I was lacking a proper walk with God and both of these switch situations I lacked relationship with good people I'm saying am I saying that these things could have been avoided and I if I had been in a right relationship with God maybe or maybe not but I can sure tell you that I probably would have handled myself a little bit better had I been in a proper relationship or walking with Christ. I'm almost done here. So be patient. I'm almost done. I'm not judging anything. I'm involved and I'm still battling some of these problems. It's just I keep noticing that when I'm wrapped up with the bad things that I'm unable to have a good relationship with Christ. I can't hold Jesus in my heart if I'm full of all this junk. Like I said before, you're not alone. We're all fighting these sins, and I'm fighting these sins. Many of them are the same ones that you're carrying around with you right now. God wants us to be courageous and make a change. He wants us to fight a good fight. We um, We can do it together as a team, and I think that's the way he wants us to do it, is together as a team. Start making some changes in your habits. Changing your habits is hard to do. First, just assess your life. Be honest with yourself. Assess your life and try to make a list of the areas that you need, know you need to change in your life. And look at that list daily. Start praying. Start praying about your list. If you're afraid to pray, pray by yourself or just say a prayer in your head about your list, about the changes you need to make. Start reading your Bible or read a good Bible-based devotional like my utmost for his highest. Realize that you're not alone in the fight. There is someone who is and who has suffered through what you're going through right now at this moment. And you can seek wisdom from them. Find someone to help you. Change who you hang out with. Fill some, good ha- fill some bad habits with some good ones and get hooked up with a small group. Um, I've seen miracles happen and some tough men brought to their knees whenever they're in a small group and they're sharing what God has done in their lives. 
I could lift up that 20 pounds again, but it was too hard. But I want to show you that that, that, that twine, that, that, yarn, that string of three strands, is, it was very difficult to be broken. Again, Joshua 1.9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord is, God with, Lord is with you wherever you go. I'm not going to say it's going to be an easy time all the time, and I don't want you to walk around being depressed because your life is in turmoil all the time. I um, just want to say that there's a way out. Today, my job is to just to encourage you to change some of your habits, to cast out some of those demons listed above, and to make new habits, some of the habits that I've reminded to you. Try to let Jesus and some friends carry you in some of your difficult times. And guys, if you're too pride, prideful to do it, you've got to find a way to let it, let it change. You've got to break down that pride. I want to go ahead and play this video, and we'll... We'll play this video that's, that, that's courageous. And I think this is what God means for us to be, is to be courageous. And I know you've heard the song, but listen to the words very deeply, please. And um, after that, Doug's going to come up and make some announcements. Uh, but, but thank you for listening to me. I appreciate it. Go ahead and play that video. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chain. We were made to be courageous We were made to be courageous Thank you, John, for uh, sharing your heart with us. And, and John's pretty hard on himself. He, uh, he's a much better guy than he lets on. Um, he is a good friend. I meet with John and Joe uh, every week, and they have been lifting me up. Um, we all go through difficult times. And, um, and, and that we've been talking about that verse, let your good spirit lead me on level ground. What we're trying to do as men and as a church is, is kind of get away from the highs and the lows and ask God to lead us on, on a steady path. And, and this song kind of points it out that, that the only way you can really face life and the only way that you can really um, be on steady level ground is if you're praying and if you're seeking God's face on a regular basis. You become like you hang out, those people that you hang out with. So if you want to get closer to Christ, hang out with people who are uh, consciously getting closer to Christ. 